Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a sermon from our Big Church Sermon Series. This series looks at the movement that began 2,000 years ago that would circle the globe and leave its mark on individuals and cultures of every continent. It brings to life the story of the local church. We hope you find this podcast meaningful. We'd love to hear how God is touching people's lives. Just go to our website at www.valleybrook.cc, select contact us, and send us an email. Thanks, worship team. At this time, we're going to release kids ages four through grade five to go to the children's church over in the children's ministry wing. Hey, you know, uh, the Zimmers are here this weekend. Uh, Our mission team from Costa Rica is back this weekend. Ian Bell's back from his uh, three-month mission trip to Costa Rica. And Jalen Perry, if she's not here, she'll be here later. She's back from Guatemala. So our missionaries are here. Love on them. uh, Care for them. uh, Reach out to them. Sign up to get their email. uh, Just be in in touch with them and connect with them. You, You know, we're a church We're a church that believes that the gospel of Jesus Christ is for all people, all ethnicities, all races, all walks of life. And, um, you know, as we gather here today on Sunday morning, uh, we worship an all-loving God who sent Jesus to earth to demonstrate his love for all people and to lay down his life for everyone, every single person. So as followers of Jesus Christ, we must stand for love and we must condemn racism and hate in our world. Jesus calls us to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. And you know, I think we all know how to love ourselves so we know how to love others. And he says we're supposed to lay down our lives for one another. So as Christians, we can't condone the the racism and the hatred of the white nationalists and the other hate groups that created death and destruction in Virginia. And, and I share that today because that's, that's a value, that's a, that's a belief, and uh, that's something that we have to stand for. And, and as we, we come in today's message, uh, you know, it's just so important that we understand that we have the gospel of love and life that we're called to take to all people. And we've got to do it. So I want to pray for this message and pray for us. Father, as we come into this place, we cannot get away from the fact that you so loved the world and we could insert every single name of every person for that. That you sent your own son, that he may die for us, that we may know how much you love us and so that we may come to understand that we are loved eternally and we have your power through your Holy Spirit while we're on this earth and we have a forever home with you and Lord, we pray that we would internalize that to such a depth that we will not be the same. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. We're entering into a new series called Big Church, and I, uh, you know, full disclosure, we're inspired by a ministry of Andy Stanley, so some of the, the outlines and things are gonna uh, reflect what uh, they did, but you know, here's the big picture. Uh, God created the church, and it's a really big idea. And uh, we're going to talk about the implications of that over the next four weeks. Uh, but, but here's the thing. Uh, let me start with the question. Have you ever wondered what church is all about? You know, just big picture. You ever wondered why we need the church? Well, Jesus had a big idea. And that big idea was that people would gather around the idea that he... 
and only he is the way to God. That people would gather around that idea that he is the only way to God. Now, the first time Jesus dropped that idea, that big idea on the disciples, I don't think they got it. I don't think they understood it. I'm not even sure many of them noticed it because I'm going to read a scripture in just a moment and the scripture I'm going to read, only one of the four gospel writers wrote it down. So I think, you know, uh, sometimes we talk about the disciples being clueless and, and I think sometimes, you know, things went over their heads. The passage I'm going to read to you it starts off, they say that, you know, Jesus and the disciples were in the region of Caesarea Philippi. And Jesus asked the disciples, he said, who do people say the Son of Man is? Peter answers, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Well, all of a sudden, Peter clues in. He's got the big idea. He's the Messiah, the Son of the living God. He, Jesus, is the only way to God. He's the only way to the Father. He got Jesus' big idea. And Jesus congratulates him, and he tells him more. He says, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, no other person, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, the gates of hell, will not overcome it. You get that last part? Jesus' big idea is so big, he says, I'm going to build this thing, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Not hate, not racism, not conflict, not strife. Jesus wanted all people to follow him to God and become his church. Now, let's pause for a moment. When you hear the word church, something pops into your head, a picture, an image, or maybe multiple pictures. When we hear the word church, we're not thinking of what Jesus was thinking of. We think of a building with rows of chairs or rows of pews. We think of a building with a cross on the wall. We think of a building with Bibles. We think of, maybe you think of a, of, of a building that has organ music or has a rock band. Maybe you think of, uh, of a choir and robes or, or maybe you grew up where there, were, uh, where there was incense and there were bells. Or you think of what you've experienced. Maybe you think traditional. Maybe you think casual. Maybe you think contemporary. I want you to let go of those thoughts. I want you to let go of them because I want you to think of what Jesus meant when he said these words that are recorded in Matthew 16. For Jesus, what he meant when he said, I will build my church was, he meant, I'm gonna put together a gathering, an assembly of people who understand and know and believe that I am the only way to God the Father, that salvation comes through other, no other name on earth than my name. That's Jesus' big idea on which he founded this thing we call the church. Now, as I said, I'm pretty sure when 
Jesus said this in Matthew 16. The disciples didn't get it. I don't think Peter got it. I'm not even sure Matthew got it, but he wrote it down. But that's what Jesus was saying. He's saying, I'm going to build a gathering of people who believe that I am the Messiah, the chosen one, the one who is the way to God. Now, the word in Matthew for church is a Greek word. It's ekklesia. And its pure translation from Greek to English is not church. It's assembly or gathering. So you understand, when Jesus said, I'm going to build my church, he said, I'm going to build my ecclesia. I'm going to build a gathering of people centered around that come together around the truth that I am the way to God the Father. Now, j- just a little history. Uh, the, uh, the word church comes from an entirely different word in, in Greek, and a term meaning of the Lord. In other words, it was the house of the Lord. And uh, it, it picked up and was adapted by, by the Goths in a, an East Germanic tribe around 300 A.D., and it was spelled more in the, we transliterated from English to, from German to English, more like Kirche, K-I-R-C-H-E. Uh, sort of sounds like church, and somewhere along the way, it became anglicized. In other words, we, we made it church. Um, and that's where the word comes. But you understand, it, it's, in my, it's in my Bible, it's in your Bible. It, it's, it's a translation that needs some explanation because it doesn't mean a building. Jesus wasn't talking about building a building or a specific place. He was talking about bringing people together. Now, this was a departure from what was known because think about it. Where did the Jews worship God? At the temple. How many temples were there? One. Where was it? In Jerusalem. It was a building. It was a place. But Jesus has this big idea that I will build my gathering of followers and I will introduce them to a relationship with God. Now, let's just look at a little bit of church history. Uh, The English word church comes from an entirely different derivation in the Greek language. It it has a meaning uh, of of the Lord like the house of the Lord and it was picked up and adapted by an eastern Germanic tribe around 300 AD and the and the word would have been pronounced Kirka it was K-I-R-C-H-E and you can sort of see how it evolved into English but the problem was even in our English Bibles it's it's just not a good translation when you go back to the original language because it it brings with it some poor theology it it brings with it that when you know when you hear that verse Jesus says I will build my church you're thinking hammers and nails and bricks and mortar and he's not talking about that he's talking about I'm going to bring people together around this idea that I am the only way to God the father and so This is what he meant, but here's what happened in the history of Christianity. When the church, when the idea of church became centralized to a certain building or a certain place or or different places and and different things, what happened was the leaders of that organization, the, the leaders of that gathering began to realize if we control the place, 
we can control what's said. And if we control what's said, we control the people. And if we control the people, we can sort of make this what we want it to be. Now, here's what we need to understand. That wasn't the original intent, but our downward gravitational pull towards sin makes us, even followers of Jesus, do things that stray away from Jesus' big idea. And that's what happened. That's, that's what happened. But as the centuries went by, something else happened. You see, we take it for granted that, that we can read the Bible in our own language. But in the beginning, uh, you know, only scholars could read and, and write the different languages that the Bible was translated in and eventually it was translated into latin and again only only people who had been to higher education could read latin and and so for centuries for centuries people like you and me we wouldn't be able to read the bible because number one uh, literacy was not widespread and and number two it was not written in the language of the common people and and so when people would uh, assemble to worship Jesus the people the leaders could control what was spoken and they could speak on certain things and not on on other things and they could control the message and therefore control the people but in the 16th century a man came along whose name was William Tyndall and William Tyndall had a radical idea I'd like for my kids and my grandkids and my friends and my neighbors to be able to read the Bible in their own language. I mean, wouldn't that be awesome? And, and so he set about to learn the biblical language and translate the first English Bible. He was from, he was from Britain. And he began to uh, irritate Uh, the leaders of the Church of England because they said, wait a minute, we don't want the people to be able to be able to read the Bible in their own language because they'll misapply it. They'll misinterpret it. They'll misuse it. Isn't that ironic? Because it was being misused. And so uh, William Tyndall was not very popular amongst the leaders of, of the Church of England. And so he began to become persecuted. And so he escaped to Germany. And in Germany, with the home of the printing press, he uh, had his translation, his English translation of the Bible printed. And copies were smuggled into England. But again, this raised the ire of people and leaders. And he was eventually betrayed and he was hung and burned at the stake in 1536 because of what he did. So not just translating the Bible, but there was an important nuance. When it got to the word ekklesia, wherever it appeared in the Greek language in the New Testament, he didn't write church. He wrote congregation, an assembly of people. And that really ticked off the leaders. Because no longer was it a place, it was a gathering of people. That meant we could be the church outside of this building. We could be the church in my home. As Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together, there I am also. So Jesus' big idea was that he would gather people around the central truth that he was the only way to God. That could happen anywhere. And it can't be controlled. And that was threatening to people who were in power. Look, I want you to see something from the history of Christianity that's been repeated dozens of times. The followers of Jesus Christ lose sight of Jesus' big idea. 
The idea that he is the way to God and it's only through faith in Jesus Christ that we receive the promise of eternal life and that we're filled with the Holy Spirit. We want to add stuff to it. Jesus' big idea is that he was the only way. So in the history of church, we have sinned against one another and against the church by adding to it His big idea was that the church, the ecclesia, would be an assembly of people who believed that he was the way to God, and if you came to faith in him, you would spend eternity with God. And he believed this so strong, this big idea, Jesus said that I will build this gathering and the gates of hell will not stand against it. And that's a promise that we need to hang on to. Now, Remember, though, that the first believers didn't quite understand this big idea. In fact, Jesus' closest friends, his disciples, didn't even get it. Even after his resurrection and before he ascended into heaven, they met with Jesus, and this is what they asked him. They said, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, remember, there was no church yet. They were waiting for the Jewish kingdom to be established. And again, this is, uh, this is challenging. Why did they want the Jewish kingdom to be established, the disciples? Well, because they wanted a place in Jesus' government when he established the kingdom, the Jewish kingdom. It was all about them. It really wasn't about what Jesus wanted. They were concerned about themselves. But Jesus replied to them and here's where he shares this big promise he said it is not for you to know the times or dates the father is set by his own authority but you will receive power when the holy spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in jerusalem and in judea and samaria and to the ends of the earth i can only imagine what they were thinking remember you know, in, in the weeks prior to this, between the, uh, the death and resurrection of Jesus, um, they'd been hiding out. They, they scattered. They ran for their lives. Eventually, they found themselves all to one place, an upper room, and, and they were hiding out behind closed doors with shuttered windows. And they must have been thinking, like, when Jesus said, that, who, us? You know, who's going to listen to us, Jesus? How in the world can we do this? And How are we going to get to the ends of the earth? That's where Jesus' big promise comes in. Jesus ascends into heaven. The disciples go back to hiding out in that upper room in in Jerusalem. For two weeks they do that. And then the day of Pentecost comes. And if you remember what happens on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is poured out on the followers of Jesus on what is a Jewish holiday where Jewish people from all over the known world have gathered to celebrate the Pentecost festival. Holy Spirit is poured out on these believers and as a sign of the Holy Spirit's power, they are given the ability to speak in languages that they did not learn. A supernatural act happened and they went out into Jerusalem and they began to praise God and give glory to God in languages that all of the other 
Jewish pilgrims from around the known world were able to understand. They were able to witness about Jesus. Remember, they received power from on high. And and it was so startling. We read in Acts chapter 2, people said, well, how how are these Galileans? Um, how, how How are they speaking our language? Remember, Jesus said, I will give you my Holy Spirit. I'll give you power from my on high and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. There were 14 different languages noted in the book of Acts chapter 2. So 14 different people groups in the known world heard the testimony of Jesus Christ and they asked what it meant. That was the big promise. What happened next is the, is the big day. We're talking about this big day of Pentecost. The disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were able to witness to, about Jesus and speak in those languages to 14 different people groups. And the big idea that Jesus could take everybody into a personal relationship with God, that he was the only way to God, began to be spread to other people. They received power from on high to be witnesses. Peter, who also had been hiding in the upper room, afraid and scared, all of a sudden received power, and he stood up, and he preached his first sermon as a follower of Jesus. I'm going to read an excerpt from chapter 2, beginning in verse 22. He says, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did among you through him as you yourselves know this man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge and you with the help of wicked men put him to death by nailing him to the cross but God raised him from the dead freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him God has raised this Jesus to life and we're all witnesses of it Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, and he has poured out what you now see and hear. Therefore, let all of Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Jesus' big idea. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Notice what Peter said. Repent and be baptized. And then he said, you will be forgiven and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then he said, the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off and for all whom the Lord our God will call. This was the gospel, that you are saved through faith in Jesus Christ and he is the only way to God. That's Jesus' big idea for all people, for you, for me, for people who are far off physically, far off spiritually, for people who are near physically, people who are near spiritually. And what was the result of Peter's message? This Holy Spirit, power-infused, witnessing message. Verse 41 says, Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 3,000. 
3,000. A gathering of 3,000, over 3,000 people. People from 14 different language groups believed and accepted Jesus' big idea. And remember the big promise? That you would receive power to be by witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Well, guess what? Those people with 14 different languages went back to their hometowns. And the message of Jesus Christ, his big idea that salvation is through him and him alone, went to the ends of the earth. And think about it for a moment. Jesus said he would build his church, his gathering, his assembly of people that believed in him, and the gates of hell couldn't stand against it. He wasn't talking about a place or a building like this. He was talking about a gathering of people who believed in his death and resurrection and that he was the only way to God. Ecclesia, a gathering. In Jesus' day, you couldn't go to church you were the church the church wasn't just for church people there weren't church people the church wasn't about a location there wasn't a location the church wasn't about a certain style or liturgy or ritual there weren't any the church was about a mission of creating followers who believed in Jesus and received the promise of eternal life and the power of the Holy Spirit and shared it with other people his big idea and from that day forward there have always been followers of Jesus who refuse to let go of that big idea they refuse to make it about a place or a building they they were these were men and women who were missionaries then and missionaries today church planters then and church planters today evangelists then evangelists today bible translators then and bible translators today pastors teachers student pastors bible smugglers all people who wanted to let the big idea of Jesus go then and now to the ends of the earth. They were men and women like William Tyndale who refused to let others make Jesus' big idea smaller than it was, to make his big idea about a place. They were people like you, who give and serve and invite others to and who cheer when people come to faith in Jesus Christ and cheer when people are baptized. They're people like you who realize that when you gather with another believer, you are the church because Jesus is there. You People like you who realize that the church is not a building, it's not a place. It's where people who believe in Jesus Christ gather in his name. So much of what Dave and Carolyn are are doing is about building a church gathered around this idea. I mean, they're they're not going to be building buildings. They're going to be building believers, gathering them around the name of Jesus. You're the church when you gather in the name of Jesus, in your home, in your office, in your neighborhood. You're the church when you realize that when you serve the poor, you're serving Jesus. You're the church when you realize that when you follow Jesus, you stand for love and you stand against hate. You're the church when you realize that when you pray for the sick, you are doing what Jesus called you to do. When you live out the values of Jesus because you've studied his word and you've taken it into your life, you are the church. When you recognize that you're persecuted, you're an outcast among friend and families or neighbors because why? You believe 
believe in Jesus. And that's why we at Valley Brook do what we do. We support missionaries. We encourage you to get into God's word and study it and apply it to your life. We create more places to gather, like planting churches. We send you on mission trips, short-term and long-term. We raise up missionaries. We raise up money to support the work of spreading the gospel. We train leaders. We get people together to help them grow closer into a relationship with Jesus. It's not about a building. It's not about a place. It's about following Jesus and his big idea that he is the only way to God the Father. You see, we agree with Peter that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter got Jesus' big idea that Jesus is the only way to God. So let me start with that question. Let me finish with that question I started with. What comes to mind when I say the word church? I hope you see it's not a building, it's not a location, it's not a place. It's a gathering of people who believe that Jesus Christ loved us so much that he came to earth, that he died so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. In Paul's letter to his protege, Timothy, in the first letter and the second letter, he keeps talking about entrusting Timothy with the gospel, with this big idea of Jesus, that he has come to share the good news that we gather together not because of a place but around this idea that, that he is our Lord and Savior and he is the way to God. We have been entrusted with the gospel. So let me ask you a couple of questions. Who do you know who needs that big idea from Jesus to know that the only way to God is through faith in Jesus Christ? Who do you know who needs that, that message that needs to be cared for by somebody who knows that message? You've been entrusted with it. Who at your work, in your neighborhood, in your family, at your school, among your acquaintances, needs to see you live out what you believe and when the time is right, share that big idea? Who? I encourage you to do it. You've been entrusted with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to share that big idea. I want to pray for each one of us that we would understand that big idea, that we'll take it in, and that we won't just take it and leave it in. That, that the church is an assembly of people, one or two, two or more, gathered wherever in Jesus' name, and we've got the message, the big idea to share, that God will empower us, that we'll receive the power of the Holy Spirit to go out and share that. So if you would, would you stand? So I want to pray for you. And after we pray, we're going to celebrate that by singing, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. The big idea of the gospel. So, Lord, gathered in this place, Lord, if it was just two of us, we would be the church. Not because we're in this building, not because we're on this physical location, but because you are in our midst. And where you are, we are with you and you have called us to gather together around this big idea that through faith in you we're saved 
And Lord, we know that the gates of hell cannot stand against this idea. That we know that no power of darkness or evil or prejudice or hate or anything of Satan's hand can stand against your gathering, your church. So Lord, we pray that you would empower us to walk in that truth, to know that wherever we go, whomever we talk to, we can gather together with other believers and be the church and we can share the big idea with people that you have come, that we may have life and have life to its fullest, that we may walk understanding that you loved us so much, that you died so that we could spend eternity with you and be empowered by your spirit while we live on this earth. So let us walk in that power. Let us gather in your name. Let us praise you and share with other people the big idea that you are the only way to God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc. 